why we're excited this morning. And maybe for some of you, this might be your very, very first time in a church. And it might be your very first time hearing a bit about Jesus or hearing, singing songs about Jesus. No, for me, for most of my life, Easter really just meant chocolate. <laughs> and it was a time to see who could make their egg last the longest. That was pretty much the depth of my thoughts around Easter. So I just want to talk a little bit about why we're excited this morning. If you've ever been to a sporting event or you've watched the Olympics, how many have you ever seen someone holding up the sign 316 in the crowd? Anybody? There's, a, there's apparently a guy who travels to all the major Olympics, European Championships, World Cups, different things, and he always holds up this sign 316. And he's re- actually, John, you've got it on. <laughs> There's John, there it is. Maybe, are you that man? <laughs> Wish you were that man. But he holds this verse up, John 3.16. And it's one of the most amazing verses in the Bible because it's the reason we're singing this morning. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave or he sent Jesus. That whoever should believe in him should have life, have eternal life. Let me read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I want to talk a little bit about why this verse And the message of this verse is going to be the most important thing anybody on the planet can ever hear. And it's like we're looking at a coin. On one side of the coin is God so loved. And the other side of the coin, if you were to say the tail side of the coin is, we needed a saviour. That you need a saviour. And you might be saying, but I, I, I'm not religious. <laughs> I, I'm, my life is really, really good. And I don't need a saviour. The thing I'd like you to go away with is the question, if this is true, I need a saviour. And if this isn't true, you don't need to worry about it. Because it's just a few people have got excited about something. Who, who are just that type of people. Religious types or jumpy people. But if it's true, if it's true, it makes all the difference in the world and it's the most important thing you can ever hear. The Bible says that humanity, humanity has a sickness. And it says that every one of us have it. And the symptoms might get manifested in totally different ways but everybody has this sickness and the Bible says that sickness is something called sin and why this verse is so wonderful is that there's a cure, there's a solution there's there's one who's made a way to get rid of the sickness it's like going to the doctor this morning maybe for some of you and you hear some facts about your life and you think that's awful and then the doctor says don't worry 
there's a solution, there's a cure, there's medicine. That's the good news. But first of all, you need the diagnosis in order to have the celebration. Sin is failing to do what God has asked us to do. In other words, it's missing the mark. If you've ever played darts, I did as an 18-year-old, you're trying to get the dart in the mark. Maybe it's in the bullseye, maybe it's in the triple 20. Whatever it is, you're trying to hit the mark. And God says, for each and every one of us, there's a mark to hit. And the first one is to love God with all of our heart. That's a mark that God asks us to hit. And I guess for all of us, we can say, actually, I've missed the mark. I've not loved God with all of my mind, all my thoughts, all of my emotions, all of my heart. I've missed the mark. Another mark that God asks us to hit is to love ourselves. And to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. It's amazing in the world we live in, if you go on the internet and type in self-help, you'll come up with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books all about how to love yourself, how to like yourself, how to get self-esteem, how to feel better about yourself. And God says actually to not love yourself, not to be aware that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you're amazing, that you have gifts, abilities, talents, that, that you have gold inside of you, is to miss the mark. And then not to love our neighbour as ourselves. And of you know that if people began to love themselves and then love other people as they love themselves, the world would be a different place. And so God says actually we've, we've, mi- we've failed to hit the target in loving God. We've failed to hit the target in loving ourselves. We've failed to hit the target in terms of loving our neighbour as ourselves. And, and in this verse, it's a wonderful thing. He says, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to point the finger. Heard a, a famous quote once. This guy said, I went to church today and I came away not feeling depressed. Because <laughs> sometimes people associate going to church and, and someone's just going to go and make you feel guilty. Make you feel ashamed. Make you feel a failure. Make you feel that you've got to try a little harder. But John 3.16 says Jesus didn't come into the world to point the finger. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. He didn't come into the world to tell the world how bad it is. He came to the world to reveal the wonderful Father, the Creator God. He said, I've come to reveal the Father. It's one of the great missions of Jesus Christ that by seeing Him and seeing how He loved and seeing how He acted and seeing the priority of His life that we'd see a glimpse of the Father. And the Father, God, is the most wonderful, liberating, kind person there is in the whole universe. He's a freeing kind of God. Sometimes people have a misconception of the Father. They think God is a control freak. They think God is a list of do's and don'ts. God is somehow after to take away your joy, or to take away your freedom, or to take away your liberty. And actually Jesus came to reveal the most liberating, wonderfully freeing God in the whole universe. And he's the kind of God who said right at the beginning to Adam and Eve, you can do whatever you want. You can name the animals what you want. You can have a mission and you can have a purpose to do these wonderful things and to extend the kingdom, but just don't cross this line. Let's be honest, how many of you have been to the park 
and you've seen a sign saying, don't step on the grass. What does it provoke in you? Whose grass is this? As soon as there's a line somewhere, we think, I want to cross that line. Oh, oh. I want to, I'll rub the seeds out. Who said, I close grass is this? I pay my council tax. <laughs> or if you're a kid and it said, no ball games. Who said that? We'll play wherever we want. This green is perfectly fine. As soon as we find there's a line, there's something within us that rises up and says, I'm going to cross that line. You just watch and see. And so the father is this wonderful, liberating father, and he just said, just don't cross this line. Don't, don't play with matches, as it were. Don't play with a knife. Don't climb over the fence into the forbidden territory. And that's what human beings we do. As soon as we hear something is a line, we, something rises up within us that says, who tells me what to do? And we go to that forbidden place where good things get perverted and good things get spoiled. And then we find ourselves, as it were, in quicksand in this forbidden place and we get caught up with so many things that break our hearts or break the hearts of others or break society or break nations. We find ourselves transgressing, crossing a line. And so for each and every one of us, if we're honest, we're guilty in the thoughts that we've had that haven't always been 100% loving, guilty in terms of the deeds we've done or the deeds we wish we had done and we don't, didn't do, the sins of commission, the things we've done, omission, the things that we'd wished we had done but didn't do, not doing what we're commanded to do, to love God, love ourselves and love our neighbour. And so John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, because he knows that sin <coughs> is what's disconnected us from God. He says, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus because he wanted to bring a cure, a solution to the brokenness of our hearts. Sometimes people say, I don't feel God. I don't feel God. I don't feel his knee. I don't feel connected to him. And that's what sin does. The things that we think, do, act, the lines that we cross, the fences that we go over, the forbidden territory that we march in when we think, who tells me I can't go on the grass? These break our hearts, they break our families, they break our society, they break our nation. And that's why we don't feel God. That's why we feel God's so far away. That's, that's the bad news, as it were, on the flip side of the coin. But let's quickly finish with some really, really, absolutely fantastic news. This, how much is this worth for you with good eyesight? 20. How much is it now worth? 20. How much is it now worth? It doesn't really matter how crumpled or broken or dirty or distorted our lives have ever been. You have never ever lost your value to God. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you It doesn't matter how much sin has crumpled you. How much you live with, say, regret about the things that you didn't do and the things you wish you had done or the words you said or the words you didn't say or, or the thoughts you had and the thoughts you wished you had and didn't have. It doesn't matter how crumpled you are. The Bible says God so loved you that you never lost your value to him. 
Even though you might feel this morning regret and you might think, I crossed over the forbidden territory so much and I'm stuck in quicksand and my heart is broken. I feel like a crumpled 20 pound note. God says, you are still wonderfully valuable in my sight. You have never lost your value in my eyes. And that's what Jesus came to do. He came to us, broken, lost, sinful people who were crumpled and and, and dirty by the things we had done and the things we shouldn't have done. And he comes to us and says, I want to tell you something. The Father absolutely loves you. That you've lost none of your value to him. I've not come to condemn you. I've not come to punish you. I've not come to point a finger at you. I've not come to tell you how bad you are. I've come to tell you that you have lost none of your value to God. And I've come to redeem you and save you and bring you home. That's the good news. That Jesus came to save us. And it's because you're precious. And because you're wonderful. And because you're you're glorious in his sight. He wants to bring you home. That Jesus came to deal with our sin. By dying on the cross for us. He came to take the full weight of the punishment we deserved. He came to pay the full debt that we owed God for the fact we'd ignored him. Hated ourselves and hated those around us. He came to take the full punishment for the things we have done. The sin we have committed and the crumpledness and the dirtiness of our own life. He came to provide a way that you can be radically forgiven of your past. It doesn't matter how crumpled you are today, how much regret you have today, how much you feel distorted and broken by life. God says, I can forgive all of that and wash you totally, wonderfully, gloriously clean. You can be, as it were, ironed out completely in the sight of God. Not one wrinkle, not one crease, not one stain, not one dirty spot. It will all be wiped away. Jesus says, I can do that. Because at the cross I paid the price for you to be restored. And he says, I can give you hope for the future. A bright hope for the future. The great writer said... There's nothing that I can give myself to, no invention I can do, no book that I can write, no activity that I can do that isn't, in the end, spoiled by the reality, I'm going to die one day. If we're honest, lots of what we do is to get away from the fact that we are terrified of dying. And Jesus says, I can give you a bright hope for the future. Some of you think, I've got a hope. But some of our hopes are a little bit like a hospital gown. They look good from the front, but not so good when we turn around. Okay? That's some of our hope. And Jesus, I can give you a hope that will not disappoint you. I can give you a hope that goes for eternity. Hope for today, a bright hope for the future. And let me say this to finish. It's all a gift. It's all a gift. Jesus says, I've come because God loves you. I've come not to point the finger. And I've not come to tell you to buck up your ideas and try harder. I've come to tell you that you don't have to work to be good. You don't have to work to be good. It's by faith. through It's grace. It's a gift. You just receive it. And we're just going to hear in a moment or two. Tim's going to lead us. In this moment, we're going to hear some stories about people who have just received a gift. 
dear friends, I just want to leave you with this thought. He absolutely loves you. And to know his love, and to know his goodness, and to know his kindness, and to come into the household of such a wonderful father, does not require you to buck up. It does not require you to try really, really hard. All it requires is a yes in your heart. Yes, please. I want to know you. I want to know your love. So Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that through your life, through your death and through your resurrection, you have absolutely conquered Satan, sin and death and you've made a way for us to be completely made whole and clean and ironed out. We praise you for that, God. We thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you for the good news of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Amen.